and welcome into episode 80 of the Rutgers Scoutcast. I'm your host, Sam Hellman, and I am making the very adult, responsible decision of recording the open and close to this podcast from the New Jersey Turnpike. So it's been a very busy week for me, very busy week on Scarlet Report. Heck, on Thursday, we had like 10 stories alone between Media Day, Rutgers football, talking a little quarterback, talking recruiting with a decommitment, and all that stuff is kind of the focus of this week's episode. We're going to start off in New York City, where I'm going to bring you the best of Steve Peichel from Big Ten Basketball Media Day. Most of it is from my one-on-one conversation with Coach, but there are a few other questions in there from other writers that I thought would be good, so I kind of left them in for context, but for the most part, it's myself and Peichel discussing year two in the program, how things have changed, little New York, little recruiting, all that kind of stuff. I had a good time in New York for media day. The the highlights really, you just get a chance to sit down one-on-one with these guys in a different kind of setting than when you're in the gym. You've seen some content up on the site already. Had a great conversation with Mike Williams about his senior year. That's not really where it ends. Deshaun Freeman, you're going to hear him and Mike Williams on the Rutgers Scout cast probably both next week as we prepare for the season to get started less than a month away. I had a great conversation with Corey Sanders about his hometown, about his family, about being a father, and you're going to hear that. or You're going to watch and read that coming up on Scarlet Report very soon. But I'm recording this now as I make my way to the final Rutgers practice of the week. And Rutgers football is still in the focus of our show today. Scout and 24-7 national recruiting analyst Brian Doan joins me later on for the news. We're going to talk... Amon Anderson, his decision to decommit from Rutgers and where things stand there. I know that surprised a lot of folks. We're going to talk about what comes next. We're going to talk about, speaking of athletes that can play on either side of the ball, we're going to talk about Jay Harris and his week against Illinois and what that win means. We're going to wrap up the news talking some scout on the road. We both took in some big-time football games over the last week. In the mailbag, we return to a little... Rutgers basketball before we close it out. Before I, you know, get pulled over or someone freaks out that I'm talking into my phone on the uh, side of the highway, why don't we just get into our interview with Rutgers basketball coach Steve Beichel, live from Madison Square Garden. You good? I'm good. There he is. Good to see you. You good? Always. Nice nice of you guys to come. Hey, it's a lot easier than uh, going out to Chicago, right? It certainly is easier than that, right? 16 miles from campus is good. I got you beat. I'm seven miles from the rack now. There you go. That's awesome. I know you told me that. I'm jealous of that. It would be 10 less miles from me. Your house is bigger. (laughs) Costs more, too. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What's jumping out about the team so far in practice? You know what? I I love our uh, chemistry, first of all. I think really important. People don't talk about it a lot. They talk about talent. They talk about I'm a big chemistry guy. Uh, they get they get along. Uh, much more competitive practices for longer periods of time. Uh, much more competition at every spot. Um, and uh, you know, I like this team. You know, I like this team. They're easy to coach and they're they're coachable. And uh, that's an exciting thing for me. The first thing is is the league is unbelievable 
from 1 to 14. There's 14 teams in the league. You know, there's good coaches at every team, no matter you're ranked 1 or, or 14. There's good players from 1 to 14. You know, in all the other leagues that I've been in the past, there's been teams that haven't been as good at the bottom of your league. This league was, and my Tom Izzo said this to me, this is the best the league has been in 20 years, top to bottom, you know, type of deal. So really just to uh, be able to learn the league in your first year, and learn the different venues and how competitive it's the 41st straight year of leading the nation in attendance. I mean, unbelievable. So a lot of challenges, you know, in a league like this and a lot more, you know, people you're answering to. I mean, these are big universities with big student populations and big followings and big alumni bases. So, you know, just my time is taken in a lot of different directions, you know, especially in this media market. What do you think your players are learning about what it takes to play for you? I was talking to Mike Williams earlier, and he said, we used to say we wanted to run and didn't know what it meant, and they know what it means now. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, all kids, you know, I want to I want to run, I want to do the, you know, and I always say, like, okay, it's easy to sit in a room and say those kind of things. I want to be a good player. I want to play good defense. I want It's a lot harder to do those things. And so they're learning now, like, this is what you guys wanted, and this is, I know what it takes, you know, to do those things well. And it's hard work, and it's tough, and it's film sessions, and it's being in great shape, and it's getting rest at night and those kind of things. And so they're learning that. They're learning that now, and we're really trying to change the narrative of how how we play um, and the pace that we play at, and so uh, it's a lot. It's a lot harder than it looks, and it's a lot harder than it sounds. You know, when you you know inherit a program and a team, and you got to introduce yourself to every player, every drill, a new coaching staff. You know, um, I think we really did a good job of moving this program in one month, in one year you know, forward, and, and I'm thankful my staff has stayed the course, and, you know, we get some continuity now out of that with our players on our roster, the ones that have stayed and the ones that wanted to, you know, continue representing Rutgers University have stayed and got better. Uh, we had a better summer this year than last year, obviously, and then the players that have come into the program now want to be at Rutgers and want to play you know, want to play for me. So I think we made tremendous progress in, in, in the best league in the country. So we'll, we will see how it translates to, you know, the games. But we're a better team this year and we're a better program right now than we were a year ago. Keeping your staff intact, I mean, these are all former head coaches or guys that are going to be head coaches. How big is that for your players and was it a challenge at all? Well, you know, I think it's big for any program, but especially for Rutgers because, you know, I'm the sixth coach in, in a 12-year period, you know, so very important continuity and uh, you know for you when you put in the system after a year it's very tough to now teach someone else you know what you want from them so the continuity in the roster important continuity in your staff important um, and I think it just makes life easy now when we do practice drills like guys know what we're doing they're teaching the young guys as opposed to us teaching them everything so uh, continuity huge part moving forward hopefully we continue with great continuity with our program I've been a part of a lot of these builds, and, and uh, you know, I think every year you try to enhance your roster. And I think my, my year last year was figure out what we didn't have and what we needed in the program moving forward. And now we got to continue to put those pieces together. And you only have 13 scholarships in basketball, so you can't do this overnight. You know, you have to plug away slowly. I think what we've done is 
We've made the players in the program better. I think you're going to see a lot of guys have improved a great deal. And then I think the pieces that we brought in are going to enhance us. We get some players that can do some things that we didn't do last year, you know, with the program. So feel very confident in this building process. It takes long. It takes some time. Obviously, seven teams are ranked in this league, so it's it's, it's not a regular league. This is the best league, top to bottom, in the country. So um, you know, it's going to take some time with the progress. But I want to keep doing exactly what we've been doing: stay the course, develop players. Recruit kids that want to be at Rutgers. Recruit kids that bring in different pieces that we didn't have. And I think we've started that, that ball rolling. You used the last scholarship this year for Mamadou. What, what do you remember about recruiting him? And was it always your intention for him to reclassify? Had you always hoped to get him earlier? No, I mean, you never know how you know that works out. I mean, every guy that we recruit, you know, um, I'm excited about. And he wanted to come to Rutgers, too. And there's a part of that. Gio Baker wanted to be at Rutgers. Sufi Mensa wanted to be at Miles. You know, Johnson wanted to be at Rutgers. So, you know, I like that part of, um, you know, the process. But you never know, you know, with guys. Guys commit, decommit. You know, you deal with every kind of thing you can in recruiting. So to have a chance to have them this year was, was great. And, and we're excited about, you know, having them in the program now. What is he giving you so far? I mean, I think all the young guys and all the new guys have brought something different, you know, to our program. Geo brings an IQ and a shooting ability. Miles is as good a low post scorer as we have, um, and a shot blocker. Duke has given us a physicality and a rebounding, you know, factor. Sufi Mensa has given us tremendous leadership in the locker room and a defensive presence. So they've all brought something a little bit different. I'm excited about all the pieces. Actually, they all. They all kind of bring, but they're freshmen, so we're gonna, they bring that piece too, you know, which is going to be trying at times to be able to move these guys around a little bit. You know, Corey was a point guard, and then, and you know he had to bring the ball up, and he had to defend the best player, and then he had to go and score 20 points a night for us and stuff. I think now my ability to move him around the court will help him, a, score more points probably, and and b, be harder to defend. You know, and so I think, and same thing with Mike. Mike's ability to rebound enables me to move him to a couple different positions. And Sufi's ability physically, we have two big guards now, and Gio and Suf give us more size. It gives me more ability to play zones with bigger players. You know, it, it just, they've added a versatility to us that we didn't have last year. And they've added the competitiveness in practice that we didn't have last year either, which is helping everyone get better. Yeah, I mean, I want the right Jersey guys as I want the right players from right areas. Everyone's not a fit for Rutgers, and everyone's not a fit for Steve Peichel. So, you know, they have a lot of good choices, a lot of choices out there. I don't care where we have to go. You know, Miles is a really good player from California, and if he was running around this neck of the woods, his recruitment would have been a lot lot different, too. So, um, you know, I want kids that want to be in my program. I think that's where we are right now. Um, I want kids. It's a blue-collar program right now. Uh, I think kids pick schools for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, we still want to get the right fit. We want to get the right Jersey kids, the right New York kids, the right, you know, kids from Wyoming, the right kids, you know, that fit our program. That's what we're trying to build here, you know, right now as we continue moving this thing forward. And, uh, you know, most importantly, I said, because I want kids that want to play for for us and want a great education and want to play for their state university and if they don't they got other good choices and I wish them well again I I think with 13 scholarships you want to get kids it's not a geography thing it's getting the right kids to 
that fit your program, that want to be at your program. Even when I was at Stony Brook, we didn't just get New York kids. Like, we went to New Jersey and got him. And people used to ask me that question. How come I in New Jersey and New York kids? And I said, like, you know, because Jamil wanted to come. And, and, and he's the right fit for me. So, you know, no matter where you are, you have your challenges. Certainly talented players in the New York, New Jersey area have a lot of choices where to go to school. And, you know, uh, hopefully in the future some of those kids, you know, will decide on us. But it's the right kids, too, that I want to get. Not just because they're from a certain location. That doesn't work anywhere. It's the right kid for your program. That's what we're trying to find. Yeah, I mean, Coach Willard does a great job, but that's, you know, I, I've been through five rebuilds. The blueprint is, you know, what I know. And, and you know, he's going to build his program away. Someone else is going to build their program away. Different way. Um, I want to get tough kids. You know that that believe again in, in Rutgers and our program, and we have a challenge. We're 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 not number one in our league. We're not number two in our league. We're not number three. You got to get kids that want that challenge and want to help change that challenge. And so that's more important than anything, I think. When you said when you said during the, the press conference up here that we're basically the home team this year yes. in the big in the Big Ten tourney. You know, it's it's known that. So Big Ten brought Rutgers in to get the New York City market involved. And smartly so. Is that a lot of pressure on the school, the teams in general? The pressure you put on yourself as a coach and the players do, too, is, is always there. I mean, there's... There's no less pressure when we went down to D.C. last year to try to win the first ever tournament game in the, in the Big Ten. There's like trying to win our first road game in, 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 in the Big Ten. So last year was a lot of first. I like the fact that Rutgers Nation can come out and see us. And I like the fact that, you know, the local media and the local student athletes now can see what a great league the Big Ten is. Because I think people don't know how good Wisconsin is. People don't know how because they don't see them on a daily basis. I think our league's going to garner some tremendous respect in this community here, being you know as well coached a league as talented player-wise. You know, I look at the all tournament of the preseason all league team, and I'm saying I could give you an all league team that wasn't. And I mean, those players that weren't on it are unbelievable players. I don't know if, if other conferences have the depth, the talent that this conference has and I know certainly the coaching in this conference and the venues in this conference and I think what people are going to is get a dose of how powerful you know the Big Ten is when Wisconsin brings a ton of people to the garden and when you know Michigan and Michigan State travel like this isn't like this league is a fashionate uh, passionate fan base this league is passionate players passionate you know media you know so I think I think New York's going to get a real dose of that and I think it's going to be great for us moving forward You've, uh, you talked about the Rutgers nation a couple times do you feel like you're building that same connection with Rutgers that you had at Stony Brook where it was so strong uh, you know what I, I do and it took time even even there but uh, I really we have a fashion uh, a, a passionate fan base a loyal fan base and I really believe that they're very involved and they really want us, you know, to do well. And they're rooting for our players and, and they're rooting for us. And, and you know, we're, we're new to this league, too. And I say to people, every time you take a step in growing, when you grow, get to this league, like you are, you are in a league that is every night is is unbelievable challenge. And I think people are starting to understand that, too. And, and, and as the league comes more into New York, people really respect more and more. Um, you know the company that we're in 
and what a great opportunity this is for Rutgers University. You know, and it's a great for the league too to come into our media market here too, and and the amount of fans and the amount of people that can be exposed to to this to this league is is awesome. Rutgers Scoutcast 80 news section here with Sam Hellman, your host, joined by national recruiting analyst Brian Doan. And before we go scout on the road or 24-7 on the road or anything Rutgers, we have to talk about Ahmad Anderson, the sixth decommitment in the Rutgers class. Not surprising that it happened because it's been building for about a month now, but the way it happened and the schools he's now considering, it's it's cool. a the school he's now considering it's a it's an interesting situation Brian look I don't think there's anybody that's paid attention that this should surprise that's first and foremost if you remember a few weeks ago put on the board that he was still committed and they would you know revisit it in a couple weeks I think what's surprising is you do it after the Illinois win which is the best game you've played in a long time it's surprising that the only other school on your list right now, as of the decommitment, is Purdue. Official visit set for November 4th, the weekend they play Illinois. And I, I know because I took a bunch of phone calls about it and got some texts within the industry, coaches and what have you, saying, well, wait, atmosphere was one of the reasons for the decommitment, and then you're going to go to Purdue, Illinois, and I don't think when you when you go down the list of schools in the Big Ten and you think of great game day atmospheres, I don't know where Purdue ranks on that, but I'm not going to guess it's very high. They're, I mean, they're in the top four. Yes, I'm sure they are. Squeaked in there. Yeah. I, I guess I'll say this. If you're picking a school based on atmosphere... Oh boy, oh boy. I mean, Stanford feels a pretty good team every year. I don't know how many people have been to a Stanford game, but you're not going to Stanford because of the atmosphere. I, I just, I, I, I look at it and it's a, I'm not surprised he decommitted. I'm confused, perplexed, taken aback at, at the reason given. Yeah, if, we'll get into what this means for Rutgers in a second, but. If he really means that, like, game day atmosphere is is his thing, like, really? Do, do you know that when you're on a team, you don't take in the game day atmosphere? You know, you get on a bus two and a half hours before the game and go straight to the locker room? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, but in a way, I also kind of feel bad for him because I don't think that it's a decision that was made with everybody on board and everybody really doing their due diligence before they made the decision and it could end up costing him what would have been a pretty good situation for him close to home. We're going to have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. These decisions sometimes are made on a, not just by an individual, but there's more people involved in it and I don't want to get too in-depth with it, but I think there's more to it than just Ahmad saying, I'm going to decommit and we'll leave it at that. As far as what this means for Rutgers, I I don't get the atmosphere comment, but I do get why he feels hesitant. I mean, he's seen one of his quarterbacks decommit. He's If he's watched the last couple Rutgers games, he's barely seen the receivers touch the ball. 
these are the kinds of things that 17 year olds think about at times so I can understand it from that aspect or if he wants to go to a place where he can be more featured if he looks at other guy, other receivers Rutgers has been on in the past from New York maybe like Taysier Mack and sees how they went on to other schools and they're getting the ball I totally get all that and it also you know it's a tough look for Rutgers because it's your sixth decommitment it's your third since the season started and it's a local kid and up until now there's been nothing but positive vibes in New York and on Staten Island so I, I get I get why there's concern absolutely I understand the reason for concern. There should be. Yeah, um, This is a kid that they really liked a lot. When you talk about... You look at other offenses and the receivers are getting the ball. I'm always careful on stuff like that because... A, if you're a receiver coming in and you look at that receiving group at Rutgers and thinks, Boy, they don't really like to throw the ball to receivers... I mean, do you look and see what's out there and, and whether they're getting open and what they're losing and what and all that stuff? What did you think when you committed? Did, did you think it was a 70-point-a-game offense to where they're going to be slinging it all over? Um, and then on the flip side, the job of the recruiter is to make yes. sure this is always understood. And maybe it was because, again, you know... I just remember when his recruitment started, I kept hearing, you know, from his camp, Oregon, Florida State, Clemson. That's where his dream schools were, and none of them recruited him. So you, you have to look at, there's so many working parts in this, and I just don't, for me, buy the fact of a kid looking at it and saying, well, geez, they don't, the receivers aren't catching the ball. Now, if you want to sit there and say, look, I've watched it and I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball in three years or two years, that's cool. But now you're talking about a kid who has one school on his radar, Purdue, who's going to graduate in December and enroll early. It, it, it doesn't leave a lot of room for other schools to get involved especially knowing how many schools are filled up. And I know, you know, one of the schools that he went and visited over the summer before his decision was Boston College. Well, Boston College is out of slots. So you start looking at that stuff and, you know, it's a kid. So you want to, you hope it works out for him, but you also look at the thought process behind it and it's a bit confusing. All of these things play out differently and decommits rarely return to the school but this is one that I mean I wouldn't totally write them off based on everything you just described the other thing I'll point out is you know your your comments about the offense and the receivers that Rutgers has are completely logical from someone that does this for a living and has been around football for a long time but for someone that's 17 and lives on Twitter and is you know your average illogical teenager all I think that he sees is, oh, Bo Melton's a four-star, but they don't throw him the ball. Why isn't Jonathan Lewis playing yet? And I think that if that... If he watched the Ohio State game, he'd know why. Again, it's up to Rutgers. Right. It's up to Bill Bush and Jafar Williams and Chris Ash and everyone recruiting Ahmad to explain that stuff to him and convince him because the 17-year-old is going to react based on how many stars kids have and what, you know, they read on Twitter from fans. He's... You know, they're not going to react to what actually is going on. I think the other point to that is it's not just explaining it to the 17 or 18-year-old. It's explaining it to 
the people close to him that, you know... Might I mean, also love Twitter. I mean, look, there, there are some people out there on Twitter, parents, prospects, parents, current players' parents, who, as soon as something goes not the way they wanted it or planned or thought it would, are jumping on Twitter... And it's just, and I get it, you, if you want to put your feelings out there, that's cool. But you also have to understand that there's a process to all of this stuff. And, I mean, if you, I guess the point is this. If any program in the country that is struggling all of a sudden has to convince kids and their parents all the time of why it's going to be good, well, then that program will never turn around. And there's plenty of programs that turn around. So, at some point, you need the rational thought. Well, speaking of rational thought, we're going to transition into part two of the news here. Our Scout 24-7 team went on the road this week. We didn't go too far from home, which was nice. I spent Friday night covering, uh, well, I was covering my television while you were at South Brunswick watching four star Scout four star Justin Shorter in action Penn State commit. But on Saturday we saw a ton of Rutgers guys. Between me, you, Brian Fonseca, locally we saw a ton of Rutgers guys. I went to Donovan Catholic, St. Joe's Metuchen, and then met up with you and Fonseca at Rutgers Stadium for the big high school triple header. Uh, real quickly to get it out of the way before we talk Rutgers Stadium stuff. I did see four-star John Olmstead, the 2019 out of St. Joe's Metuchen. Right now, I would say it's Rutgers versus Notre Dame versus Penn State. It's going to change a lot between now and probably March because he's the kid with the kind of means to take a lot of junior day visits to places. I think he does want to be relatively close to home. I think he loves the Big Ten, but it's an uphill battle for Rutgers with Penn State going to see him last Friday. He really wants to get back to Notre Dame. He had a great time recently at Minnesota. He likes P.J. Fleck and Joe Rossi out in Minnesota. You, you might have heard of those two coaches before. He also knows Norris Wilson at Minnesota. Uh, on the other side, Donovan Catholic long snapper. J.P. Hadley is a preferred walk-on target for Rutgers. He's going to take a couple more visits before he decides. Uh, I like him. Great kid. He, I, I don't know if he runs well enough for what Rutgers wants at long snapper where they have a true freshman doing it with eligibility left so we'll see but here's the reason I love well, this well they have a kid on scholarship at long snapper <laughs> not for long Alan Lucy's a senior but here he, uh, you'll like this about J.P. Hadley Brian I didn't talk to him after the game because his team lost by 50 points and I was talking to Olmstead, but I texted him after hey sorry I missed you didn't want to bother you after the loss uh, let's catch up this week and he hits me back right away and just goes Sam I've won four games in four years. I've had three different head coaches. I really don't care that much about talking to the media after a 40-point loss. You could have come and talked to me. <laughs> and, I love that honesty. Like, he's, he's, that's the other side of a 17-year-old kid. He totally gets it. And for that reason, he's been a lot of fun. We'll have some update on him if he does end up choosing Rutgers in the we next We should have an weeks. update on him even if he doesn't choose it as he gets close to the decision because, A, long snappers are important, and, B, he sounds like a fun kid to talk to for you. I think Brian Fonseca could do a great job writing that article. Uh, we'll talk about it. But let's talk about Rutgers Stadium. Well, don't I get to talk about my guy at South Brunswick? Thomas Joe Ed, Kamara, Ed, baby. Ed, Ed Birch? Thomas. Okay, yeah, I did not point. see him there. Yeah, so South Brunswick has a good... 
overall has good relationships with Rutgers, and now there's a 2019 that you've kind of put on the radar. Yeah, it's funny. Write something, and all of a sudden he's invited to Rutgers for a game. I wonder how and, that happens. And so there, he's going to be at the game against Purdue. And he's a kid that I think he's an offer kid. I want to see more of him. But he flashed safety, uh, plays downhill, will hit you. Um, you know, he's still semi-new to football. Didn't really start playing until he got into high school. He loves the physical aspect of it. I want to see more of him before I say, yeah, he's definitely a kid that would get an offer from a Big Ten school. But I, I think there's a lot there to like and a lot there to develop. My biggest concern with him is can he play free safety or is he just a strong safety? Because right now, physical in the box kind of guy, and you want guys with versatility, but definitely a kid that uh, it makes the job even more fun when you go out and you don't know that a kid's there and all of a sudden you see him and you're like, wow. Okay, he's got a chance. And, and that's kind of fun. And, you know, that's a good way to transition into what we saw at Rutgers Stadium. Yeah, we saw two games with kind of, I would say, not new kids that popped out because they're kids we've mentioned before, but both St. John Vianney and Long Branch have younger players to watch. And they're both schools that Rutgers has recruited a lot. So I expect Rutgers to be after both of them. Um, I guess we'll start with St. John Vianney, and they've got a new right tackle. His name is not Micah Clark anymore, but he flashed for you, Brian. He did. C.J. Hansen, um, he's legit 6'4", maybe 6'5", 275, 280. He's a lacrosse goalie, so you know he's A, crazy, and B, I like him. Um, he, he bends well good initial punch and he got to the second level you know you, we watched a lot of it up in the press box we went down on the field for the last few minutes um, which turned into a lot longer because it went overtime but it was fun to watch him uh, really showcase his athleticism he didn't play a lot as a sophomore he was behind Michael Clark for the most part but also was kind of new to football and to know how far he's come since last season when he barely played to this season to where he's the starting right tackle on a good team um, and then to watch him move athletically I'll be surprised if he doesn't pick up some offers before the end of his junior year knowing that there's some guys in the trenches in 2019 already both offensive and defensive line that have blown up in New Jersey whether it's Olmstead, RJ Oben, Antonio Alfano before he transferred I think this is a kid worth watching because not all these kids with 10 offers are dying to go to Rutgers at the end of the day. Uh, then you talk about Long Branch and 2020 running back Jermaine Corbett is having a good season for them. Everybody, all Rutgers fans love Long Branch after following Miles Schuler. He was a fan favorite for sure. Did, did you catch much of Corbett in action in that nightcap, Brian? I did. I saw a lot of them because I got to stay for the whole game. Ah, um, got to. Well, I enjoyed staying for the whole game against I, Red Bank Catholic. Yeah, I left at halftime. Um, no, it was... It was I, I got to see a lot of them. He's got good vision. And this is where it's always fun because Miles Schuler is making sure that people know about him. <laughs> yes, sir. And that's cool. I mean, that's what you do. And that's why people like Miles so much is his playing days are over he doesn't have to do it but he's making sure he texts people to know hey can you look out for this kid I, I think that's awesome um I just want to see a little better vision from him and I want to see if he has the breakaway speed 
to do it at the high school level, not at the college level, because sometimes that's overrated at the college level. But I saw enough of them to be intrigued. It's not a no-brainer for me. But yeah, I mean, he's a 2020 kid, so you keep paying attention to him. He had some good change of direction, and definitely worth the kid, you know, worth watching him, especially because he's so young. The the two stars in action over the weekend, Rutgers targets. Both of them at defensive end, Elijah McAllister from Rumson Fairhaven, and then at Long Branch, Kmar Mims, the younger brother of Shalik Calhoun, for full breakdowns, both of you know what we saw in these guys, and then the latest in their recruitment, where Rutgers stands. I think Rutgers is very high on the list for at least one of these guys, but maybe losing round with another. All that stuff is over on Scarlet Report, or you can ask us in the thread with this podcast for more updates, but... As far as the, the free version of the podcast, I think it's more important that we talked about the new guys and maybe get their name out there a little bit. Part three of the news here, Brian, and wrapping wrapping things up before we open up the mailbag. So uh, a lot going on in Rutgers country. I, I think that the most interesting thing to discuss is not the quarterbacks because we're all talked out. Basketball media day? Oh, that is in the mailbag. Don't worry. Yeah, stay tuned to the mailbag. We're going to discuss the preseason basketball poll and some other fun stuff. As you listen to this, Media Day will have already happened, but it will be heavily featured on the Rutgers Scoutcast over the next few weeks. But I think Juwan Harris is the most interesting thing that's happened. I think that his stat line is one of the most overrated things that people have freaked out about all season. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm very impressed with the way he played because this was a kid that really just came off as mentally punched out a month ago, and he looked locked in last week. Both great points. It's me, so I'm going to start with the positive. Sure. The positive is, you watch the Illinois game, and you're not like, oh, whose man was that? Oh, Harris. Yeah. <laughs> right? He knew his assignments. Now, if he's going to get juked in the open field, so be it. So be it. We've seen much more experienced safeties do that. And you probably will this weekend. Um, <laughs> I give him a lot of credit for going in there, doing his job, doing it well, considering where he, you know, where he had come from. He, he caught a ball, which we haven't seen a lot on offense. He just understood what to do as a safety. Now, you want to get all jazzed up about stat lines? Look, Defenses are designed for certain people to lead your team in tackles, all right? And his safety position, not going to come in and always make all the tackles there. I mean, you look at linebacker. Linebacker's a bad spot for, I mean, they need depth there. And their linebackers get a lot of tackles because that's what they're supposed to do. The problem is you may tackle them seven yards down the field instead of two yards down the field. But I look at Harris overall, and, and what I took out of it was... He didn't blow a coverage where you're like, you got to be kidding me. When he missed a tackle, he got up and he ran after the guy. And he played hard. And you hope that he gets better moving forward. Because you know Purdue, if he's out there, will try to target him a little more. But yeah, I think he did a, I think he did as well as you could expect a kid to do, given that situation. But, you know, let's not compare him to Ronnie Lott yet. I don't think he's a game changer for Rutgers defensively in the backfield, but I do think that this opportunity for Harris is going to revitalize his career because we're talking about a guy that 
everyone this summer was saying, well, this is his last year, get ready for his baseball career, MLB draft, and then you go from that to suspended for the opener to, there, there's kind of a an unsaid joke when you're watching practice that Harris is, he's dancing to every song, he's very late in the line for reps during individual drills, not this week. He was locked in, first guy in line, every DB drill, trying to learn as much as he can. And he's a guy that likes the spotlight. So I think he enjoyed the opportunity to have people tweet about how great he played and retweet his 11 tackles and all that stuff. I think that the positive affirmation that he's gotten the last two weeks is going to make him play a lot harder and be more locked in. Because at the end of the day, he's a very, very good athlete. He's a professional athlete in some capacity. And Rutgers has to find a way to get the most out of him while they have him. All right, welcome into the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag where we're going to start on topic this week. And I got multiple angry questions this week based off the uh, Columbus Dispatch poll for the Big Ten basketball preseason. Um, My poll was included, so you saw how I voted. But people are not happy that Rutgers was picked last. I didn't vote Rutgers last, but are you surprised? No. Why would I be surprised? (laughs) Thank you. They've stunk for a long time. They got better last year, but they still weren't good. And you really think people voting in that poll are paying attention to what's gone on in the offseason? You think they have any idea? I mean, you got they don't you can sit here and ask me about how Minnesota's going to be this year in pretty basketball. Good. Pretty uh, pretty good. How's Nebraska? Last. I voted Nebraska last. I mean, but you go through and it's like yeah. I got enough to worry about with what I do and and I've done that job. I've I've been the beat writer to where you you have your feelings on what's going on at other schools and everything, but who really cares? I mean, what if if they were picked twelfth? Would you feel better? <laughs> oh yes, we're not last. We're twelfth. Who cares? Just go out. It should be a better season. And what are you gonna? Oh, we don't have any respect. But well, what being picked eleventh or twelfth means you have great respect all of a sudden. Look how much they respect us. They picked us to finish eleventh. Just go out, play, enjoy the season, enjoy the fact that there's some optimism and excitement going into the year. You know, it, it it's amazing how, you know, you if you picked them to finish first and they were good, oh, we're getting jinxed. We're do- Just go enjoy it. Everybody always wants to jump on the negative so much. You wonder why negative sells. Just go enjoy that Rutgers should be better, that you have a coach that has a clue and a staff that can recruit. This is where the value of – this isn't just me shilling Scarlet Report. It's really any – any local beat writer that actually knows what they're talking about, it's where the value of this comes. Like, it was a running joke on the Scholar Report Premium Forums this week, or the week leading up to Illinois. They were making fun of the Big Ten Network and the BTN coverage of getting ready for the game because all they're doing is talking about Kyle Bolin and his experience at quarterback and how Jonathan Lewis is in line to start. And it was a running joke on the site, like, have these people ever watched a Rutgers practice or read anything that about Rutgers? Because everyone on our site knew Monday night that Gio Rochino was going to start. It's the same thing here where I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert on Purdue basketball. Yeah, I made some phone calls, but... Rutgers didn't lose a hoops commit to Purdue, did they? <laughs> no, no. Rutgers is doing okay in hoops recruiting right now. But my point is, if you're going to... If you're going to the national writers or the 
conference writers for a team that's in the bottom don't expect a lot of accuracy. Expect a lot of overviews and kind of relying on what happened the year before. If you want to know what's really going on and if things are changing and who's making plays in camp and all that stuff, that's where the local stuff is the best. I just find it to be... I've always found those polls to be absolute nonsense because I voted in so many of them. It's like preseason All-American lists where you have like, oh, you made third-team center in football. Really? Third-team center? Most people can barely name the center of the team they cover. Right, right. All right, and going into the off-topic question this week, talking a little NCAA, NFL question came from Paul on Twitter and you can tweet me at Sam Hellman 247 for questions. He asks, should there be an NFL under 22 league? This way the NCAA doesn't have to pay players. Players could even be on loan for NFL teams. May draft them right out of high school. Thoughts? (sighs) Not a bad idea. I don't think it'll ever work because in order to do that you need a lot of money, a lot of insurance. People are going to want to come see it. What you're asking is, can there be a minor league system for football? Baseball, it works, because that's the way it's been. Basketball has the D-League. The G-League, we call it now. It's not the the G-League? No, because it's owned by Gatorade. We call it the G-League now. Oh, boy. Good thing it's not, like, owned by Powerade. It'd be, like, the (laughs) P-League, which my kids would actually like. And you laugh just like one of my kids would. Because I'm six years old. It's got an interesting concept to it. The problem is, you know, and this is what I go back, and, and we'll turn it into paying athletes if we want to. But here's my question, then. How many kids are you going to need to do this? And then how many teams will there be... And what happens to the kid that gets cut when he's 17 or 18? Okay, we talked about the long snapper earlier in the podcast. And we talked about Alan Lucy, who's a senior, who is beaten out by a freshman walk-on, correct? Correct. So when we want to pay players, how much you want to pay Alan Lucy? Is he getting paid the same amount as... Billy Taylor? as As the star on the team? So, so what are we doing now? And if you're paying them and you don't perform, doesn't mean you can fire them? So what happens there? So everybody thinks just pay players, just pay players. The other thing is, what about Rutgers where they operated a deficit? What happens to Toledo? You want to pay the Toledo players? What are we going to do with Bowling Green? How about New Mexico State? So when we're going to sit here and say, well, look how much money they raise. And I get it. They raise a ton of money. And I don't know what the solution is, other than the fact of maybe if you're going to pay somebody, he then has to turn around and pay for his education. And then if he gets hurt or has to retire, he still has to pay for his education, but don't give him any money for that because now he's hurt and he can't play. So it's such a complex issue, and it, and it strikes a little bit about what this... I think in con, you know conceptually it makes some sense, but... In a lot of other ways, you know, we talked about Juwan Harris. He could have gone and signed a contract to play baseball, but it was a a low, a high-risk, low-reward situation for Juwan Harris. So he went to college to improve his draft stock. How many kids coming out of high school will then have no chance at all um, to go to college? And what also happens to the kid who gets cut at 18, who that was his only chance out? 
getting to college. He's got a tough situation at home. Um, things aren't going well, and he needs that structure. We've seen a ton of them at school. Rutgers has a you know ton of kids that that was their chance. What what was it going to be? So now what do you do with those kids? Because we've seen in recruiting how great the decisions are made by parents and and kids in recruiting. So it's so complex. I I look back and you know individuals come to mind in my time at Rutgers. But it, it really comes down to think about think about how much people rip into guys for leaving early for the NFL, say like a Jawan Jamison that didn't get drafted, or Brandon Coleman that didn't catch on for like three years. Steve Longa. Think about think about those guys doing that when they're eighteen and then having zero college credits to fall back on. Or think about a guy like Antonio Lowry who he just wanted to get out of Miami to a certain extent. But what if he chose to get out of Miami by playing for the, you know, Detroit Pikachus instead and, and then gets cut because he can't run well enough? Well, guess, you know, even if he wasn't interested in college, guess what? He spent five years at Rutgers and now he loves what he learned at Rutgers and uses it in charity work every day. Like people grow up so much in college, usually for the better. And I think that to give kids the way to take the easy money and get out of that is most times not good we're looking at trying to appease the five percent who make a lot of money for schools and all that other stuff but what about the 95 percent? that's what my issue is and i said like i said i don't know what the answer is but if you think it's as simple as paying players just 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 tell me this if you're going to pay players how much is saquon barkley making at penn state compared to the fifth-year senior who's not playing but is still on scholarship and still puts in a lot of work in the program. And then how much... Uh, and then what happens when a kid gets hurt? Can you just cut him? Or what happens when you have a kid... You know, you have a wide receiver that you just... You know you're going to run him out of the program. You don't even want him at practice anymore. Do you keep paying him? Like, there, it's a t- bunch of different situations where... What do you yeah, do? It, it, when you're suspended, are you paid? Yeah. Stuff like that. So it's so complex on so many issues. This has been another episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast. Thank you to Rutgers coach Steve Peichel for being so generous with his time during media day this week. We're going to have a lot more basketball talk as the month moves forward. Kind of like June is for football and July is for football. That, that month before the real stuff gets started in basketball is exciting. Rutgers picked last, as we discussed. I'm willing to bet a lot that Rutgers does not finish last in the Big Ten this year. I don't know. Tweet me or send me a message. Give me something that you want to bet against me for this because I can confidently bet for Rutgers in, in that category. Uh, any other thing you want discussed on the podcast, shoot me a tweet at SamHellman247 or contact me on the Scarlet Report Premium Forums. Until then, I'm the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.